Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. It's back to school for me, which means that we are back to recording this podcast remotely. But I have got to say, I think we have prepared the greatest playlist in the history of this (laughs) podcast. In my opinion, I I am so excited about today's episode. I think in particular, some of our listeners, I, I, I have I have some of your names in mind, one of which begins with a C. Uh, he, he encouraged me not to use his name so much on the podcast, so I'm right. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to avoid that, but keep his anonymity. <laughs> there's definitely some people out there, I know you by name, who are really going to enjoy today's episode and I just could not be more excited. Me too, man. This is going to be incredible. So today's episode is funk music. The first thing to mention about today's episode is that it is a Patreon-suggested episode. If anyone isn't familiar, we do have a Patreon. One of the reward tiers we have on there is our patrons get to pick episode topics that we have to record. This episode topic was chosen by Andrew, our longtime day one listener, Andrew. So thanks so much for your support, Andrew. We love you, Andrew. Um, So yeah, this is going to be a playlist of video game music that is nothing but straight ahead funk and we brought the funk today (laughs) now here's one of the hard things this playlist was actually a lot more difficult to put together than i first thought it was going to be a lot of video game music as i'm sure a lot of you would agree is funky it's very funky but there's a difference between funky and funk, okay? And so what I really want to do, what was really important <laughs> to me, it was every single track on this playlist is actual funk music. Um, even if some of them might have old school chip sounds, if you took those sounds and played them with a real band, it would be funk. So Carl, I'm curious, just for our listeners, what are what was your criteria for constituting something as quote-unquote real legitimate funk music? Well, funk is an actual genre and does have specific musical traditions that are tied to it. It is harder to define than almost any other genre. There's not, because funk isn't necessarily about having these clear etched in lines. Like there's a lot of um, room for exploration. But basically, if I had to explain it, I would say it's soulful, sassy, and sexy. Yes, And it has a very strong emphasis on a groove that is achieved by really by way of the bass interlocking with the drums and many times a guitar. And what what also happens with funk is there's a lot of syncopation. So the play between the bass, the drums, and and maybe the chord instruments, that's really the main focus of this music. Now there's going to be melodies over it. There's going to be horn lines. There's going to be other things, but the focus of it is the groove. So Carl, you gave a very fair kind of broad mm-hmm. description that should cover everything. But for, for some people who still might not necessarily know just aesthetically what funk music is what are some of the more specific characteristics that don't necessarily show up in every song um, but are a huge part of uh, culturally the things we kind of associate when we think about funk music sure a couple things one thing very strong bass driven music this is music that the bass is kind of this all-star for almost all these tracks a lot of fast notes and really 
a funky baseline, a baseline that has a lot of syncopation in and of itself that really stands out, but is repeated. So there's a lot of repetition in funk music. So there might be like a complex groove, but it's going to be repeated hundreds of times. And the whole point is that that groove really gets in your head. So that that is a, a very strong element of funk. Uh, also, traditionally, what we have in funk is the early the early funk groups consisted of bass, drums, guitar, keys, uh, and horns. That was a really important part of the funk sound. So we are going to hear... And by horns, you mean like saxophones, trumpets, trombones. Yep, absolutely. So we are going to hear that pop up today. We even heard this in this play, and even though this is from an era that, that featured um, sampled instruments, uh, this was from... What we heard playing in was training mode from Marvel vs. Capcom 2, which is nailing the funk sound here. This was composed by Tetsuya Shibata in Mitsuhiko Takano. Now, Mitsuhiko Takano, he's the... Zelda Minish Cap composer. So how cool is that, that uh, he worked on this game? I think uh, I could so, guess that that dude's pretty darn funky. Yeah, in some ways, I don't know how fitting this is for a fighting game. I, this, it's it's kind of weird that this is a fighting game soundtrack, but musically, it's it's really cool. And they totally nailed that kind of tower of power, uh, just super funky sound here. So let's just get into it. We have so much great music. I'm sure we'll talk more about what funk is as we, as we go forward. But you guys are in treat for probably the funkiest playlist that we've ever put together. So let's keep going, all right? Now, one thing that I struggled with to find were old school examples of funk, right? There's no shortage of modern tracks that feature real recordings, uh, and, and that's great. But trying to go back to the 8 and 16-bit era, it was actually hard to find this stuff. So I was excited to find this. This is from the Ganbar Goemon series. This is a great series by Konami that does have a lot of funky music, uh, and every once in a while, they really go for it, okay? And one of the composers that was responsible for that was Tomoya Tomita, which we're actually going to be revisited a couple more times today. This is from Ganbar Goemon 4 for the Super Famicom. Let's take a listen to The Caves. This is pretty wild. It's hard to believe this is Super Nintendo music, but it is a really uh, effective and impressive guitar, funk guitar sample there. That was a real performed guitar that they eventually kind of watered down into, to make it work for the SPC. You guys are listening to The Caves from Ganbar Goemon 4. This game was composed by Kazuhiko Uhara as well as Tomoya Tamita. I have a feeling he composed this track. He is a funk cat. He loves funk music. He would continue to explore funk in most of the soundtracks he worked on, even to, you know, last year's work on Woolly World. Uh, so he's a, he's a great funk composer. He's a guy who knows what funk is. I think he's a drummer, first and foremost. Uh, so there's some videos on YouTube, some old Japanese video, live videos of him playing. Uh, so so that, that really informs his composition here. But mm-hmm. how impressive in, like, legitimate is this? Yeah, incredibly so. I mean, when, when it started off, I mean, y- you could have fooled me 
um, that it was real or that at the very least it was, you know, like a PlayStation track. The, sure. the fidelity of those samples is really high quality. And again, just it's insane. The merit of all the musical ideas is just so strong. You know, talking a little bit about the origins of this genre, it, it definitely evolved out of the jazz tradition and yeah. other things like R&B. Um, but like Carl said, it does have its own specific musical characteristics. And I so, think what's going guys... to be fun today is to kind of explore all those different ones because we do actually have some diversity here in terms of, you know, what console each one of these tracks occurred on, you know, whether they use real instruments or virtual instruments or chip sounds, um, and also, you know, what kind of funk it is so that's mm -hmm. what i'm super excited about yeah that's a great point will i mean we have some tracks that are going to be blistering up tempo funk we have some tracks that maybe some people would consider more smooth funk which is going to be very low tempo kind of baby making music we have all kinds of funk on, on today which is actually really impressive uh that this was all every single one of these tracks well other than maybe a couple were actually featured in in uh video games we do have i think maybe just one track that was featured on a comp compilation album. Um, but yeah, I mean, this this is just incredibly funky. Now, this is cool. I, I couldn't resist here to order the playlist this way. We're now going to move to a more recent track, but by the same composer. This is again Tomoya Tomita. And we're going to move on to, for us, a very pivotal soundtrack as far as our fascination with video game music. I remember when this came out, we talked a lot about this. This was just before the, we started the podcast, a couple years before. And I remember we were so excited by this game and by this return to really colorful, fun music. Uh, I remember just kind of nerding out about it before we even started this podcast. This is Wario Land Shake It. And we're going to take a listen to a track called Pirate Shop. And there's a couple of very high-quality funk tracks in Wario Land Shake It. The other one is Mount Lava Lava, which is, has more of a brass, uh, more kind of straight-ahead sound. This one is a little bit more, I guess, maybe electronic kind of funk, but it's really cool. Let's take a listen to Pirate Shop. You guys are listening to Pirate Shop from Wario Land Shake It, which came out for the Wii. This is composed by Tomoya Tamita, a very underrated soundtrack. Remember when it came out, there was a couple people that 
said, oh, it was kind of cheesy, and it is a little bit cheesy, but uh, there's some amazing gems here, really well composed. I think it was just a, a little bit of a hint into what, what Tomoyo Tomito was going to do going forward, right. um, and in some ways getting better and better every single score he works on. Uh, this is so wonderful. This reminds me of 80s kind of synth funk, right. uh, and some of the elements you hear, like that really wide vibrato uh, kind of brass synth instrument, that is definitely kind of evoking the old school Juno 60 kind of synthesizer that you heard yes, exactly. in a lot of 80s funk music, you know, something like Prince, a lot, a lot of stuff like that. So he's definitely going for that sound uh, and he, he nails it. Well, that's what's super fun is this is such a genre piece. Anyone that says it's cheesy, it's kind of like they're missing the joke. This is not music that's intending to sound, you know, up to the modern conventions right. of production or coolness or, or, or whatever. It, it's intentionally doing something retro and honestly I think that's way cooler than anything um, because Mm -hmm. I mean just damn this is a this is a great track Carl and I were remarking while we were listening to it that this would be a wonderful tune to cover in the Mercado band because since this is primarily synth based funk yeah we we could probably tackle that well okay so This gets back to a very important element that we're going to hear today. I'm sure we're going to talk about it more than once. Funk is really inherently quite simple music with a lot of repetition. And the whole point of it is that these riffs and these bass lines are supposed to get in your head by way of repetition, something primal, something that everyone can respond to, right? So that's that's why you have uh, all these parts that keep repeating. It's basically one main idea, dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, and then he harmonizes it in different ways. But really, everyone is kind of hitting that same groove. And that's some, that's very different than something like jazz, which is a lot more spread out. And maybe everyone has a totally different function. And rhythmically and harmonically, there's a lot more going on. Whereas funk, things are a little bit more condensed and simplified. And for me, that's what makes it so magical. I just respond to funk like nothing else. Yeah, absolutely. I think the tone of that electric piano, that clav, uh, yeah, the is funk clav. also so essential to a certain type of the funk sound. And and that funky clav sound was also a sound that started to really get popular in the 70s and 80s and has now become a staple of funk music. So we're mm-hmm. going to hear some more of those instrumental staples as we, as we keep going. All right, guys, let's move on to the Sonic series. Now, we could have played three to four uh, tracks from this series. We're actually, I believe, just going to play one today. Um, if you looked at my Excel spreadsheet, you would have seen a lot of other contenders, but we're going to try to keep it diverse, okay? But we have to play this track. It perfectly embodies funk for the 16-bit generation, probably the most effective uh, funk track on the Sega Genesis. This is from Sonic 3. We're going to play Hydrocity Zone Act 1. Recently, we played Act 2 in our Sonic Revisited episode. We're going to play Act 1. Act 2, I, I wouldn't actually be comfortable saying that it's funk, it has funk elements, but what's so cool about Act 2 is that it goes into these other kind of dance pop directions, whereas this one is very clearly straight-ahead funk. Let's take a listen to Hydrocity Zone Act 1 by Sega Sound Team.
We're listening to Hydrosity Zone Act One. Uh, such a classic piece of music. This is yes. really one of our favorites. We've mentioned before on the podcast that I really think the first four levels of Sonic 3 are such a masterpiece functioning at this high mm-hmm. level of not only musical quality, but the the way that these melodies are varied and expounded upon in the different act breaks is, mm-hmm. I think, a work of genius. But I think there's so much musically about this piece that is often left unexplored. And what I'm really excited about today with this funk music episode we have a new context, a new lens for looking at some of these things. Yeah. So, Carl, what are some of the salient features within Hydrocity Zone Act 1 that make it so authentic to this genre that we love so much? The first thing you're going to hear, and maybe the all-star of this piece, is that electric bass. Really feels performed. Uh, one thing that is that is happening on this track, which we're going to hear all the time today, is the slap bass. That was one of the first times that was uh, pioneered was for early funk music. So what what happens is there's really two types of ways to play the electric bass. You can play it as you know most bassists would play it, where you just use your fingers to to fairly softly strike uh, you know the strings. The second way is to use your thumb into really in a really hard intense way, smack the string with your thumb, and that creates that bounce. That Seinfeld slap bass, right? And so what's cool about this track is there's actually two different patches that they switch between on the electric bass. Most of it, and for those slap notes, it's a totally different setting. Uh, And it really does sound like a bass player, like hitting those syncopated slaps. So that's the first thing you hear. Another thing you hear is some of the the way that these like really out there chords with a lot of extensions, like some 11s and 13s. Particularly in that B section. But you hear a lot of kind of chunky uh, rhythmic chords. Yes, now, what I mean absolutely. by chunky is when you think when you think of a guitarist, the way that a funk guitarist plays is a lot of chunking around, and that's kind of what is what is emulated here. Some chromatic movement. That's another big thing for funk guitar is taking a chord shape and sliding it chromatically. Um, just to get some some grease on it, right? So that that's definitely what's going on here. There's there's honestly a lot to break down on this track, but but I mean at the end of the day, he, yeah. they just nail the funk sound. And uh, do we believe this is one of the things that Michael Jackson worked on? Yeah, that's that's what I believe. I mean, again, I don't think there's ever going to be full confirmation, but um, it, it just it's so nailing kind of that funk mixed with new jack swing that oh, michael yeah, really completely. popularized and if it wasn't then i guess what we can say is the person who, who wrote this completely nailed that sound but i think it was yeah, and the arrangement is is so solid i mean mm-hmm. i really agreed with what you said earlier that this is probably the best uh funk tune ever written for the sega genesis yeah um, and I think it's not just because the melody is so iconic mm-hmm. and the chords are great, but the arrangement is so solid. Every single part is really capturing the spirit of the instrument that it's trying to evoke. Sure. But then on top of that, it's a really novel line in and of itself. It doesn't feel like a parody of an existing track. And what Good I will point. say is a lot of the music on today's episode is very specifically like homage based. Like it's trying to fit right into the pocket of some retro 70s funk tune. But that's tune not really almost the like case a parody with this, way. is it? Yeah, Hydrocity Zone Act 1 has its own identity completely, and it's undeniable that it is funk, but all of those lines are... Yeah, something that... Another thing I was struck by, Carl, earlier you described like a big component of funk is these simple repeating riffs, but that's not necessarily the case here because 
because this is kind of a complex arrangement. There's so many point. sophisticated syncopations and, and moving lines going on here. I just think it's something to marvel at. Absolutely. Oh, okay, I'm really excited for this. So I would say the last uh, kind of rabbit hole that I was going down, well, actually the second to last when I was preparing this playlist was I was really specifically trying to find more 8-bit examples because those are much more uh, rare, few and far between, but they are out there. Um, you kind of have to use your imagination and imagine this music if it was played with a band. I was excited to find one from Pokemon Trading Card Game, which came out for the Game Boy which I think is a very underrated soundtrack in this series. This was composed by Ichiro Shimakura. We've played a track from this. I think it was one of the overworld themes. It's very delightful. Uh, there's some great funk uh, that Shimakura composed for this soundtrack, and this is a wonderful little gem here. Let's take a listen to Ronald's theme from Pokemon Trading Card Game. And I want you guys to use your imagination here and listen to all the different elements that are happening. Try to imagine them in a funk band. Here we go. You guys are listening to Ronald's theme from Pokemon Trading Card Game. Phenomenal piece of music composed by Ichiro Shimakura. I, I don't know. I keep feeling like every episode we do, we have to almost do track of the week as we go because there's so many great ones. <laughs> it's going to be tough, but this is straight ahead funk in so many ways. That bass line, which is played on the Game Boy, is a quintessential, like almost like archetypal electric bass line. You're basically yeah. rocking out on like uh, a dominant seventh chord. Let's say it's like C7. That's pretty much all that's happening, um, you know, harmonically. Maybe occasionally, it's pretty much maybe like a one to a four over and over again, both seventh chords. And the bass line is just doing that doon, 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 doon. That classic funk shape. Uh, it works so well. And then you have that amazing melody on top. The, the, Will's going to talk a little bit about the melody, but the last thing I wanted to, to mention about this is if you listen to the noise channel drum part, it's a funk beat. The way that he's using these, like, I know it's silly, but it really it's like ghost notes, right? It's like a lot of these syncopated notes. Some of them are at different volumes. It's so expressive, and the way that, that that's interacting with the bass is just so funky. Completely harmonically here we are using the dorian mode which i know we talk about a lot on this podcast and sometimes in video games um we either hear it in kind of like a rock context or we hear it in a way that's supposed to sound medieval but here i'm i wouldn't be surprised if you don't have any of those associations but that mm -hmm. has more to do with the use of the dorian mode in jazz and the way it functions as sort of an extension of the minor seventh chord construction. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of jazz players, when they're soloing over a minor seventh chord, they'll actually be 
using like a, a Dorian mode scale sure. uh, is a way of kind of, of capturing that. So th- there's sort of something natural about that harmony and kind of, yeah, the, the principal chord progression here is using these minor sevenths. Uh, but but just to talk about the melody, something that I think is so effective about this track, especially just this whole, you know, Game Boy arrangement is the the level of staccato, the short notes yes. on that melody. It, it's something that makes it feel so precise and crafted and dun, really dun, performed. Dun. And it's funky. In yeah, the space between it. Yeah, the, the, the funkiness comes from the syncopation of not only the entrances, but also when it's, when it's not playing. And just like the bed that's laid between the bass and the chords. Yeah, a funk, that that's a really big element too. A funk is a lot of short staccato notes. Um, and when you combine them all together, that that's what makes it super funky. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, this is an incredible track. It's so good. What a good a hidden gem here. I'm excited to move on to something more modern. It's impossible to not include a Jake Kaufman track. Now, there were tons of different scores that I was drawing from. I decided just to do one Jake Kaufman track today. This is from Supreme League of Patriots. Uh, it, it has to be on this playlist. Such an exciting release. It came out a couple years ago. Uh, just like a smaller PC game. But basically what he did for this was, uh, I think the whole Mint Potion band was responsible for making this come alive. So we have a full band here. Jake is on bass, I believe. And I think guitar and keys, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, there's also, you know, drums and some other um, elements here. This would be an offshoot of funk that most people would be familiar. Uh, you could just say it's like porn music. The reason I say that is because one el- one offshoot of funk is more smooth, slower tempo, chilled out music that it's either porn music or it's like 70s action underscore like Starsky and Hutch style. Uh, so that's definitely w- what he was going for and what you're going to hear in this track. It's very sexy. This is Stan's theme from Supreme League of Patriots. <laughs> You guys are listening to Stan's theme from Supreme League of Patriots, composed by the wonderful Jake Kaufman. And this is an homage piece. Uh, Really, we have two different kind of schools of thought when it comes to doing funk for video games. You can do something very new and fresh that happens to have a funk palette, or you can try to go for a specific thing in some ways for comedic effect. The reason why this is used in uh, maybe, you know, adult (laughs) uh, films or used in background for, you know, kind of 70s movies and shows is that... It, it is very relaxing, but there's also this suggestive element to it, which Completely. I think I think is present in, in a lot of the material that this music is scoring. So it totally makes sense. Very suggestive. At this point, I think in 2017, it's definitely tongue-in-cheek. Um, right. But, you know, just the way that he, he uses that that kind of filter, that, that effects pedal on the bass to give it more of a wah sound, 
and just a lot of reverb on the electric piano and some strings. I mean, those are some cheesy elements that are very present in this kind of smooth funk. Right. You know, you know what's fascinating is that aspect, that suggestive element or that kind of sexual element is such an important part of music. And it's mm-hmm. something that I think nowadays we only tend to associate with music like this that's a little bit more recent within our own cultural timeline because we have those vivid associations with it. But really even going through the history of jazz or classical music or pop music, there is it's so much music that is meant to kind of convey this sensuality or sexuality that um, maybe wasn't acceptable to be conveyed in words uh i mean even in, in many operas like i don't know if you know the the opera carmen but yeah sure yeah you those kind of spanish flavors were very sexual at the time and that was considered kind of like this progressive um opera at the time and you know music has always had this way of kind of conveying that and i really think you know in a hundred or two hundred years from now we're going to look back at funk music and that's something that people are going to talk about you know with a straight face is how this music uh conveyed sexuality and i i really think it's one of the brilliant things in one of the artistically rich things about it as a genre yes I couldn't be more excited to move on to this week's track of the week. Seems like it might just be one of many, but this is very important for this to be yeah, track dude, of the week. This is amazing. Um, <laughs> this was such an amazing discovery, and I do have to credit uh, Andrew for actually discovering this. One reason he wanted us to do this episode is he's in love with the soundtrack of Interstate 76, which is this pretty obscure PC game that happened to have a full-on funk soundtrack, more authentic than anything else that was ever done for video games. It's so incredible. It was composed by Arian Salazar, who would later go on to to fame as being a founding bassist of Third Eye Blind, which is really weird because that's a totally different style of music. But basically under the moniker Bullmark, which was a, a band including Arian on bass and a bunch of other players, he, they, they made this score and they used old school vintage instruments and equipment to record it. Really nailed uh, this old 70s sound. This is so good. Uh, th- if you're ever wondering what funk is, what are some elements of funk, this is a perfect embodiment. Let's take a listen to Spineless Funk from Interstate 76.
You guys are listening to this week's track of the week, Spineless Funk from Interstate 76, composed by Arian Salazar, performed by Bullmark. So the reason why I think this is a, is a great track of the week, in, in addition to, you know, giving some some kudos to Andrew for, for showing this to us years ago. We are going to play one more track from Interstate 76. He, he also suggested doing a spotlight on this, which I would like to do at some point, but I just felt like doing a funk episode was so long overdue that we, we had to do this, but I wanted to include this soundtrack, obviously, and spotlight on it. The reason why this is so perfectly embodying funk is it's very simple and repetitive. You have a simple groove that you hear probably for like 40 seconds before you kind of hear other elements added into it and one of the things that makes it so funky and effective is you you have two different bass sounds you have the electric bass which starts off on a higher octave and then you have an octave below this kind of mini moog electric bass with these slides but then you also have uh, arian doing the slap bass on the on the offbeat so it's just it's a it's a very effective groove that is just fun to listen to on itself but then when when all those other elements come in it's just it's magical completely yeah this is just this is one of my favorite tracks that we've ever played on this podcast i remember the very first time i ever heard it mm-hmm. and um i mean even at that time you know we've been doing the podcast for a little while and i clearly loved video game music and had a tremendous respect for it and one of the reasons of doing this show was to kind of i don't know dispel any kind of negative comments that we've heard over the years of people saying oh video game music that's terrible or trying to put it all in one box but i remember just being like wait what this is from a video game yeah it's Um, crazy it, it still just blows my mind because i really feel like if this if this was a song that was just like on the radio in the 70s it would be an absolute classic it it's it's it's, yeah. it's that good it's it's crazy and also the fact that it came from the one of the founding members of third eye blind and it's not like he ever went on to become like a funk staple he you know third eye blind was was a pop rock alternative staple of the 90s and i think eventually arian moved on to some other groups but i don't know how he got involved in this project but for whatever reason he he was the perfect person to do this and this is one of the most underrated game scores of the 90s it's just insane it's so authentic and you can't beat this this is one of the funkiest things i've ever heard so all right let's move on we're gonna go back to the sega genesis now out of any 16-bit system i will say that the genesis saw a lot of funk music i think part of why that was is a lot of funk music in the 80s featured uh you know kind of the dx7 fm synth sound so it was kind of a natural uh place to go for that system let's take a listen to something from kid chameleon which had that classic that classic kind of western gems sound which was a driver that was used by a lot of western composers such as tommy tallarico uh and mark miller who this game was composed by so kind of reminds you of some some things like earthworm jim very funky let's take a listen to city area from kid chameleon
You guys are listening to City Area from Kid Chameleon, which is a Genesis game. This is composed by Mark Miller, and it's interesting because this this game came out in 1992. And one of the things that Will was noticing is that the beat is very reminiscent of the song Jam. And that was probably released at pretty much the same time because Jam came out in 91, or, or Dangerous, I should say. That album came out in 91. And, you know, Jam was probably on the radio this exact same time. So who knows? Maybe Mark even sampled some of those drums from Jam. Yeah, it ain't so hard for me to believe that that would be the case. Uh, <laughs> nice one. Nice one. Uh, I, this is a fantastic track. Uh, I love the groove. I, I love the tone that they get out of the FM. Um, yeah, funk, jazz, rock, all that stuff sounds so great on the Sega Genesis, especially when it's implemented well and there are, you know, neat arrangements. Um, I, I really think people that are people that embrace the timbre of that FM synth and kind of write for it Mm -hmm. and don't try to pretend that it's something that it isn't, (laughs) that music ends up sounding the best. Yeah, much better than the Super Nintendo. There are composers that are kind of like... There are composers on the Genesis that that wish it could be sound like an orchestra, maybe, or that wish it could sound like a type of rock band that <laughs> it doesn't naturally approximate. Right. Um, but something like this, it's almost like you can't imagine a better instrument sound because the bite. I, I think yeah. Another aspect, because uh, we keep touching on all different types of funk music, mm-hmm. but an, another thing that is really important to funk music in terms of tam and instrument choice is a general kind of dirtiness. Yes. We, we mentioned that that clove electric piano. Some grease to it. Yeah, it, it needs to have some bite, some snarl, and, and the and Genesis just to sound kind of dirty and well, filthy. Well, another, th- another reason why, why it works, and you even hear in a track like this, and nothing against Mark Miller, but there are some some little chord moments that are, are not fully thought out. But it's okay for funk. Like, it's okay to have some dissonance. It's okay to have some grease in your face in funk. And so and so it really works. I feel like this was the perfect genre for Mark to go for. If he was trying to go for more of like a straight-ahead swing feel, I don't necessarily know if he had the, the chops to do that. But he definitely was, was the right person to make, you know, this Genesis funk score. It just works really well. All right, I'm excited to move on to something from Gran Turismo 6. Now, I think we've played some music from 5 before, and 6 featured some similar style of music. I think, for whatever reason, there's a lot of kind of chilled-out, loungy music in in the Gran Turismo series, particularly for maybe some of the menu themes. It just must be a tradition. Uh, And one composer that was featured in this game was Yuki Oike. And we're going to play a track called Red, which I think is one of the menu themes. It's very chilled out. Uh, This would be considered either lounge music or chill funk music. Let's take a listen to Red from Gran Turismo 6.
this is incredible. You guys are listening to Red from Gran Turismo 6, composed by Yuki Oike. Will, what do you think? Would you be down for maybe adding this to the list? This is just... Oh, God, it just hits me so hard. It's so funky. I think the difficult thing about today's episode, and this is why I said I do think this is one of the best playlists we've ever put up, if not the best, because all of this music Every just single one. is so feel-good and yeah. so incredibly Maybe we shouldn't open groovy. the open the wormhole yeah Yeah. maybe we shouldn't open the proverbial floodgates oh man Uh, yeah i mean just that that drum beat it's just it's just a funk player you know that's that's what it is it's just very linear a lot of expression the bass line one thing you hear in funk music a lot is you might only have a couple chord changes but what you do in between the the beats right what you do in between the changes you hear a lot of a lot of like kind of soft percussive uh, elements to add to the grooviness it's just ooh it's tasty yeah completely I love this chord progression again just as we described sort of a snarl or a bite to instrument sounds there is a snarl to the voicing of that second chord that kind of dominant chord some grease where they place the dissonance within the voicing kind of gives it all of its character but then again centered around this minor seven chord which uh Mm -hmm. i described it we recently did this interview as kind of being the carl brueggemann chord (laughs) (laughs) i really associate the minor seventh with you for some reason but it is the uh, it is the epitome of cool but instrumentally here, we do have some things that uh, set it apart from the music that we've heard so far before. Uh, that that great kind of sine wave, almost Moog synth mm-hmm. type of idea uh, is something we haven't quite heard before, though we've heard keyboard synths. We did hear this string drone that makes it almost sound like disco-y. Or very yeah, much there's some the disco 70s. elements to this track for sure. Um, but keyboard wise we have this what almost sounds like a hammond organ mm-hmm. uh but then also this Rhodes that's that's doing a, a really kind of interesting uh panned tremolo effect where that's it keeps classic funk yeah, yeah if you're if you're listening with headphones on you'll notice that the sound of the Rhodes electric piano is switching back and forth between being panned to the left and being panned to the right which carl mentioned is when i hear that common. sound i think of uh funk pioneer Herbie Hancock uh, obviously yeah. before that got his start in in the swing you know in in straight ahead jazz but eventually I would say made most of a name for himself with with funk music so so yeah that's definitely nailing that sound all right guys let's move back to the Sega Genesis's FM synth but this isn't from a game so this is the one kind of interesting pick today this is from a compilation album a wonderful series of FM chiptunes Sound Shock. I think they came up with three albums, and you can find them all on Bandcamp. Different remix, different chip tuners around the world contributed. Uh, super funky. Pretty much nothing but FM funk on all these uh, all these Sound Shock albums. So if that's what you're into, check all these out. This is from Sound Shock Two. Let's take a listen to Megabits Per Second by Coda. <laughs> We'll be right back. 
is just perfectly capturing funk on the FM synth. Really reminds me of a lot of 80s kind of synth funk. Again, like something like Prince, uh, you just hear those hard-hitting sounds. Even like the way this uh, kind of crappy snare drum sample is capturing kind of the 80s gated reverb sound. Just classic. This is megabits per second by Coda from Soundshock 2. You know, in some ways, it feels very familiar to like, oh yeah, classic Genesis funk, but it's done probably better and more authentically than almost anything you heard on the Genesis. So that's one way that you can kind of tell that it's uh, maybe more of a modern track. Completely. And there are these chords that really remind me of uh, Naoshi Mizuta. I don't mm. know if, if you felt that way, Carl, but just hear these that. really authentic extended jazz chords and these really rich voicings uh, perfect stuff. for video game music i gotta say that 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 flavor is uh, that spiciness is is a huge part of a particular sound of game music to me and that's why I, i'm so glad that this was actually done for a compilation album because what this shows is that funk music really has been part of the integrity of game music over the years because the fact that an artist like this would create a funk track in this FM chip style mm -hmm. is saying that that language is, is a part of video games and, and is something that they, at least that person really associated with, you know, classic Sega Genesis stuff. And I, I think that's kind of a great testament to today's episode. I know we're primarily focusing on a lot more modern stuff, you know, with actual recorded musicians and everything. Um, but I think that's just it's, because it's, of... It might be more half and half. Yeah, yeah. I think it's has to do with sort of how, how strict we're being. But sure. I, I think it also shows how much an how much of an influence funk has played on what we now call the sort of collective sound of video game music. And again, check out all those Sound Shock albums because pretty much nonstop funk across all of them. Wonderful stuff. Let's move on to um, a really cool pick. Now, I have to give a shout out to the Reddit game music uh, community. Uh, someone actually suggested this track. I, I posted a little question if anyone had any good NES funk picks, and this was one. I never would have found this, so so thanks to that community. This is The Adventures of Bayou Billy. I never really heard of this game, but it was composed by Kaiohi Sada and Michael Meizawa. And you gotta, you have to wait a little bit for this to kick in, but this is definitely NES funk for sure. It's a strong example. The triangle bass is definitely playing a very simplified, repetitive funk line. And one thing that really struck me more than anything else were the two pulse channels are definitely trying to convey a funk rhythm guitar. Uh, let's take a listen to stage one from Bayou Billy. You guys are listening to stage one from the adventures of Bayou Billy for the NES. 
one of the strongest examples of funk yeah. NES that I've ever heard uh, personally. The interplay between, really, it's, it's just two pulse channels, but there's actually two separate ideas that are going back and forth, both harmonized, both trying to convey different styles of rhythm funk guitar playing taking one shape and kind of sliding it up and down the guitar up and down the neck that's kind of what you're hearing here uh it's very funky the interplay between that and the bass and even the drum beat is quite funky um yeah it's it's really one of the best ways you could have done that on the nes i think this is very impressive and hearing the triangle bass doing this really authentic funk bass line is, is so fantastic because it's charming. I think it's one of the all time classic bass tones, uh, that triangle, at least boom, to me boom, it boom, is. Boom, boom. Yeah. Um, ah, oh, man, this is a fantastic track. What a great, great track. I, I love the adventures of Bayou Billy. I think it's a really fun soundtrack. I feel like it's something we, we come back to, uh, a few times throughout this show. So that's pretty neat. So thanks again to the game music community on Reddit. A lot of smart people on there. All right, let's move on to something more modern. This was a game that was on my list right away. One of the first things I wrote down when I was starting to dive in. De Blob 2, which came out for the Wii. And De Blob 1 also had a great funk score. De Blob 2, in some ways, maybe even went further into it. He also did go into some other territories, such as Latin and jazz and things. This was composed by John Guscott. Let's take a listen to Stencil Jive from De Blob 2. listening to Stencil Jive from De Blob 2 for the Wii by John Guscott. Bang up job on this Mr. Guscott. Yeah, he just nails it. I think there's a reason why funk is one of the most universal styles of music there is. I think there's just something innate to humans. Like, it's in our <laughs> DNA. We just we listen to this music and we just feel it in a really primal way. Yes, exactly. But yeah, it's actually really effective for a playlist like this to feature fleshed out recordings that are pure funk. I mean... This could just be just a funk band could release this, and this would be, you know, pretty pretty successful. Right. This is just super nailing everything that is good about funk. You have, you know, a fairly simple groove. You have interlocking lines between the bass and the guitar, kind of like a funky muted guitar riff, and then moving over to the rhythm changes. You got some some really kind of biting uh, B3 organ in there. This one has some nice conga playing, which which kind of adds more syncopation to it. But the reason why it's effective on the playlist is because it gives more context to the old school tracks that might require a little little more imagination to really hear, oh, is that funk? And so hearing something like this, I think everyone can kind of hear what it is about this that is uh, funk. Yeah, I mean, from the horns, the guitar, the, the drums and bass, the groove, everything, and e even the chord progressions, the repeated lines, a uh, track like this kind of encapsulates 
pretty much all of the little nuances and features that we've mentioned yeah. on today's episode. And uh, is all it the different funky? timbers and sounds. Yeah, completely. I really think the De Blob games are some of the kind of pinnacle uh, funk scores within video game music. I, I remember agree. when we first started digging into them years and years ago. It was just a delightful treat. I think Treasure the music trove. in this series is every bit as colorful as the games they represent. Amazing stuff. And really, the thing about funk is it was crafted to try to be as funky as possible. All the elements that are working together, the way that the bass, you know, bass lines that you hear, the characteristic style of drumming and guitar playing, it's everyone's trying to be as funky as possible. And when you combine all those elements together, you get something quite magical. Let's go back to a different facet of video game music, and we're going to actually feature two tracks from the PC-98 today, okay? First one is from a game called Ground Seed, apparently which doesn't have a D. It's one word, Ground Seed, composed by Ryu Takami, who's a great composer. This is a track called Morning, and there's some great funk uh, on the score, and really a lot of good funk that was done on the, these Japanese computer systems. So happy to, to play a couple examples today. Let's take a listen to Morning. Listen to this bass. You guys are listening to Morning from Ground Seed for the PC-98, composed by Ryu Takami, I think one of the strongest composers that worked on that system. Really wonderful stuff. This remind me. This reminds me of 80s funk. Um, a lot of tracks that you heard on the radio in the 80s started off with, well, and many times they might have had a radio edit that would cut this, but if you listen to the full album versions, uh, you know, there's, there's some songs that I can think of. One example is Let It Whip where it has like the longest intro where it's just grooving and people on the dance floor would totally welcome that because it might be just doing the groove for two minutes before the melody comes in and that's kind of what happens in this track it's just it's it's very funky yeah i think a fun thing about all the music we're playing today is that it really doesn't even require us to talk about it uh it's yeah. one of the great <laughs> things about music self-evident is that yeah, it, it is this sort of language that can communicate what words can't. And talking about mm -hmm. music, I really enjoy because it's fun to break down all the little nuances, to get inside a composer's head, maybe talk about the performances. And in the case of chip music, you know, I, I really like dissecting it that way. 
but I think really rhythmic music like this, uh, you know, groove-driven music. Yeah, there's I, I don't no mean to explanation say it doesn't necessary. require. Yeah, yeah, I don't mean to say it doesn't like elicit um, exploration. That's just not the point. It's, of it's it. a very rich intellectual music when you when you break it down, um, but it also it has this innate quality that is just. I don't know. It, it, it really speaks to you on a level you might not even be aware of. Yeah, I think that's a good reminder. And, and maybe we should, you know, also because we're kind of running over on time, we should try to maybe speed through some of these and not really talk as much just because I think some of the funk pioneers, I don't think they would have wanted us to analyze this music. They just want us to listen to it and feel it, right? So let's try to feel it as much as we can. Let's move on to the N64, to Mystical Ninja starring Goemon, to a title that <laughs> will just went crazy when we first heard this. This is Festival Temple Castle, <laughs> which is... An interesting title. Let's take a listen to this funky track. You guys are listening to Festival Temple Castle from Mystical Ninja starring Goemon for the N64, composed by Shigeru Araki, Kato, Yusuke, and a bunch of other talented composers that work for Konami. Yeah, I mean, this is just great. This is a different a different style of funk than we've heard in the past few tracks, a little bit more up-tempo, a lot happier. Um, but yeah, they definitely nailed this particular style of funk. Kind of reminds me a little bit of So What, the moving from those two minor chords in okay. parallel, and even that specific inversion. Um, mm-hmm. I think it goes from like uh, like D minor down to C minor, but sure. it's like a three five one kind of voicing with the the root and the top voice. Sure. It, there's something really jazzy about that and super satisfying and colorful way of kind of evoking the harmony. I really like the organ kind of... You mentioned before chunking a little bit, Carl, and yeah. you do get a, a little bit of sense of that. I think what's really fun is exploring any jazz-based musical genres is the, the keyboard playing in a lot of those genres is uh, has its origins in kind of imitating guitar and banjo. Yes. Will, that's a great point because you have the very percussive and a lot of those short notes. You know, there's some fun YouTube videos of guys like basically constructing a full funk song in like in like 10 minutes. There's a lot of them. They're really fun right. to watch. And one guy was saying, if it's chunky, it's funky. <laughs> and I think that's a great <laughs> motto for today. Well, because like even with jazz, like early boogie woogie pianists were, you know, trying to sound like banjos. And I mean, mm-hmm. I've even heard people um, make arguments about the way that Scott Joplin with ragtime, the way that he would, you know, write his piano parts. It was kind right. of thinking about it as like a guitar and bass. Let's play one more track from the wonderful Interstate 76 soundtrack. And uh, Andrew, I wish we could have played more, but there's just so much great funk music to get to. But we will try to do a spotlight on this soundtrack. Uh, We know you love it a lot, and we love it too. This is Revenge Rocco Style. (laughs) 
great riff that is. Just a very unique funk riff and just featuring a lot of sliding up that's eventually doubled with the distorted electric guitar. Just a really well composed uh, funk track, really well put together. Composed by Arian Salazar. This is Revenge Rocco style. Now this really reminds me of Herbie Hancock. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Oh, this is fantastic. It's really, really yeah, good. I completely agree with you. It's a it's a very well composed riff in terms of the note choices, but the specific kind of offbeat syncopations in terms of all the entrances, and then the mm-hmm. way that the kind of bass riff interlocks with the the melody line is is really neat and um it's the kind of thing that feels supernatural and inevitable but i Mm -hmm. imagine if people were trying to sing it they might either jump the gun or or miss certain entrances it's it's i don't know it's almost like a fugue how these ideas work together it's super cool well and the last thing to mention is all these performers are just so in the pocket and you can tell this was mostly recorded live in a room together recorded really well and performed just really well just everyone is in the pocket here that's a really good point carl you can kind of feel the kinetic energy of musicians playing in the same room together it's kind of palpable yeah funk is one of the genres that really has to be if you're doing it with live instruments it has to be done live together for the feel to work because it needs to be just like off in the right way everyone kind of needs to be like almost off together um because like it's not that funky if everyone's perfectly to a grid. Like that's not necessarily that funky. What's what's funky is having a little bit of that human dirt and grime on it. And if you can all kind of get on the same page together, that's that's when it starts to get super greasy. All right. Let's move on to a track from Metropolis Street Racer, composed by Richard Jakes. It's that one Dreamcast score that has all those different radio stations that we he had was, to do this one. <laughs> he was tasked to compose, you know, all original music. And there's, I think, some rock stuff and some classical stuff and there's some funk stuff. Um, this is a different kind of si- side of funk here. It's bordering on fusion. Um, but let's take a listen to Outside In, composed by Richard Jakes. Jakes is phenomenal. This is outside in from Metropolis Street Racer. This does not get nearly enough love. Uh, He's just one of the best jazz funk fusion video game composers. I mean, even from his work starting on like Sonic 3D Blast to this stuff, it's just so much great jazz funk writing. He's just amazing. Yeah, he really is one of my favorites. Uh, Definitely kind of an unsung hero uh, of his 
day in this Metropolis Street Racer soundtrack. I remember when we first played it, it just blew me away. Mm-hmm. It floored me. I mean, first of all, I love the idea just as a composer. It really excites me, the idea of kind of uh, creating these different radio stations because mm-hmm. of the versatility it requires. He has to write in all these different styles completely idiomatically and lose himself within a genre, sure. which is so impressive to do. But I also imagine it was really rewarding and fun that he, he didn't kind of need to scratch the same itch too many times. He got to completely explore different muscles. Well, this had to have been so fun to make because for whatever reason, he got the budget to record this full ensemble, full brass section, really great drummer. It, it's just, it's amazing. And all these funk tracks have that that ensemble recorded really well. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Richard Jakes now, I think a lot of the work he does is not necessarily in this kind of jazzy style. It's a little bit more of your typical modern video game sound. Uh, but yeah, I really kind of miss this this unique jazz style of Richard Jakes. He's done some incredible stuff. I, I think he worked on like the little Big Planet games, and there's in particular mm-hmm. there was like this one expansion. Um, I forget if it was like Looney Tunes or the Muppets, but anyways, he kind of went to this old school cartoon music, like kind of Carl Stalling um, palette, and that was just fantastic. I remember back when uh, Emily had the show Top Score on NPR, she did an interview with Richard about that. He would be someone who I would just absolutely love to love to. to talk to. Yeah. Let's move on to a surprising little gem that, I kind of totally forgot about. When I think of funk music, I don't think of Star Fox on the Super Nintendo. And I don't think anyone would. <laughs> but you do think would. of Star Fox 2. No, <laughs> I do, yeah. I don't think anyone would. But there is a one track in uh, Hirasawa's Star Fox score that is incredibly, not just funky, it's funk music. Straight ahead. This is Fortuna from Star Fox by Hajime Hirasawa. Let's take a listen. You guys are listening to Fortuna from Star Fox for the Super Nintendo, composed by the very short-lived and amazing video game composer Hajime Hirasawa, who eventually went on to start his own business, and I don't think he composes anymore. But yeah, what, what an amazing score. Uh, what a what tragedy an interesting that choice. is. Can we, can, we, can we acknowledge that for a second? Yeah, a it tragedy is. that this man is not composing anymore? Terrible. Horrible. Yeah. No good. It, and also, just not that, but like, that he's not composing for, you know, big Nintendo games anymore. I mean, he's just such a talent. Uh, What an interesting choice for for this to be this funk track. You know, it's dark, uh, some dissonance, and it it fits the level really well. Uh, This is a pretty diverse uh, palette of sounds that he he got in Star Fox. Yeah, totally. You know, we have some orchestral stuff, some kind of fusion-y rock stuff, and then we have... 
this. <laughs> well, I mean, the theme, that orchestral theme. The, uh, da, 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 that That's like Back to the Future level good. It you know, is. It sounds like Alan Silvestri or John Williams or something. It's one of the best but Nintendo then themes. The opening stage theme is kind of like this rock meets synthy, j mm -hmm. like jazz fusion a little bit. And yeah, a little And you have something like this that is so funky. And then he also intersperses it. There's plenty of that orchestral palette in the game, but I think what was so exciting about the music to Star Fox is it really immersed you in all of these colorful worlds because that Super FX chip at the time um, was really impressive, you know, because it could render these polygons. Mm -hmm. But honestly, all of the worlds in Star Fox, when you get right down to it, they weren't super different or visually impressive. They would try to have vastly different color schemes, mm -hmm. but visually they weren't really necessarily able to create an atmosphere in the same way that they could with traditional 2D games, um, just because of the limitations of the time. Uh, in, so I think Hirasawa's music, it was so important at creating mood and setting up a completely different context. Because when you were flying a level in space, all you had was, you know, it was black with some white dots. But if his yeah. music sounded orchestral and there was timpani and... Dun, 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 it gave dun, context. You know, and then when you, you hear something like this, it's like, whoa, I'm in some kind of weird psychedelic kind of... And I just think I know, that planet. the choices that Hirasawa made were so influential to later Nintendo games. You know, just things like Star Fox 2, um, they just kind of took that direction to the next level, that eclecticism. And mm -hmm. how, how fun is it that we finally get an official release of Star Fox 2 this year now with the SNES Classic? It, I know that's great. It's it's pretty great. You know, we have and, to go back I and saw, amend our old episodes because now. Yeah, it I think will I be saw the. Like the manual and stuff, and just get to see to see art that I imagine was was you know from the mid nineties finally gets to be released. Uh, yeah, so I'm excited to to. I don't know if I'm going to be able to play it firsthand, but maybe I can go over to someone's house who has a classic. All right, let's move on to another track from Tomoya Tamita. One of the funkiest Japanese composers working in games. He always finds a way to insert the funk in his soundtracks. He loves it. One of my favorite scores in recent years was Yoshi's Woolly World for the Wii U, which is just a really fun game and probably one of the best Yoshi's games that I've ever played. You know, after Yoshi's Island, I think this is clearly the next best game. It kind of captures that cute style, but it's just it's just a good agree. game, smart game, wonderful soundtrack. Most of it's very cutesy. Uh, every once in a while, he gets he gets dirty here. This is Vamoose, the Lava Sluice. You guys are listening to Vamoose, the Lava Sluice from Yoshi's Woolly World, composed by the wonderful Tomoyo Tomita, who's now a freelance composer and who's kind of a free agent, free to go wherever he wants. 
Uh, he's been posting some stuff on his YouTube channel, uh, some old videos of, of him uh, on the drums, some video game concerts. Uh, and so you can really tell that, that his knowledge of actual perf- performance on the drums dictates a lot. I mean, first of all, these drum parts, a lot of this stuff is, I believe, like drum libraries, like sequence stuff, but it just sounds so expressive. Right. Um, his, I mean, his drum writing is just incredible and all of all of this is just super on the nose this is this is straight up funk (laughs) it is straight up funk and it's straight up good get down yeah get down with your bad self yeah this is a fantastic game and a a wonderful score so colorful it's interesting we've been featuring a lot of tomoya tamita on the podcast we the the first track we really talked about was something he worked on Mm -hmm. that track the caves and then we did the wario land shake it example his music uniquely resonates with us because uh i I especially i especially like the stuff he he did for nintendo franchises Mm -hmm. because i think he so just enjoyed taking it in a different direction in kind of fully embracing this this funk style which is equally as colorful and equally as fun as a lot of the Nintendo music but it also helps to give it its own identity and it's not necessarily trying to fit into the footsteps of someone like Koji Kondo and Honestly, I think I prefer that because I love Koji Kondo, but I I do get a little tired when you hear other composers try to imitate him and it's yeah. not quite up to snuff and then it just ends up being kind of awkward. Yeah, and Tomoya, he's he's definitely more interested in an ensemble sound, a performance-based kind of music that is about the actual parts trying to emulate instruments, sometimes having full instruments. And what you get in Woolly World is you get some of these band tracks that really feature the the real the real stuff. And, and that's kind of what makes his music come alive is it's, it's band music. Um, all right, let's move on. Okay, so the final rabbit hole that I went down, actually, I think it was just last night or maybe the night before finalizing this playlist was I was doing some thinking. I was like, what other kinds of games would have funk in them? And I was like, you know what? What about like adult games, right? What about like these kind of porn video games? Because I know they're out there. And Uh-oh. and there was, there was a lot of them made for the Japanese computer systems. Uh, so kind of, you know, those, those kind of manga style adult games. I've heard about them before. And I actually looked into the, the music and downloaded a lot of them for my Hoot player, which is an old school um, music player that I have. And there was this composer by the name of Nakayama Yuki, who goes by uh, the alias of Panda. And he exclusively was the composer for these adult Japanese games. And not surprisingly, there's a lot of funk (laughs) in these games. A lot of porn style music, but really good stuff. You know, just great music that, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter at the end of the day what it's from. It's just very funky. I'm excited to play one of his compositions. This is from a game called Mesoniko Hishoshitsu, which uh, is the English translation is She-Cat Secretary. (laughs) I don't want to know anything else. (laughs) Okay. And this is the ending this is this is really great. Let's take a listen.
Just listen to that bass line, listen to that, what's trying to be a muted guitar, <laughs> super funky, really well composed, and then you have those kind of PSG channels that are trying to be a Rhodes, and the very end of the loop, just some really tasteful voicings and you know, final changes to get back into the, you know, the beginning of the loop again. This this is actually very influential to uh, the KK Cruisin theme from Animal Crossing. This is this predates that though, so oh man, this might even be better. This is so good. It's composed by Nakayama Yuki from <laughs> She Cat Secretary. This is quite good. Um, uh, yeah, it's interesting uh, <laughs> to think about what this might be coming from. Uh, <laughs> but I guess it goes back to the point I was saying earlier about one of the th- the artistically kind of neat things about funk music is that it is so sort of sexual and has well, the all these connotations with it. That I found interesting listening to Yuki's uh, soundtracks and, and actually others too, because I got a lot of these adult soundtracks for for the Hoot player. And if you didn't know that, you actually you wouldn't think anything of it because there's plenty of like sweet pretty tracks there's mm-hmm. rocking stuff it just seems like a normal video game soundtrack really sure well i mean i think there's a limit to how graphic something could be back in the day so mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's good to know another another area to find good music i suppose absolutely <laughs> maybe we can start a sister podcast of japanese <laughs> adult games from oh, the man. 80s yeah i mean we could i mean we could at the very least do an episode on that i mean there's some from what i've heard the music is all really cool uh okay last track of the day here uh this is from treasure master by tim fallen on the nes now tim fallen when i or the fallen brothers in general when i think of their style i i think more of prog kind of high energy rocking stuff but when i went back and listened to their catalog they got funky and tim especially definitely got funky he eventually went on one of the last things he did for games is he scored the Starsky and Hutch video game for, I think, like the PS2 era of consoles. And that's that was another kind of similar to the Supreme League, just like a throwback to 70s funk. But he was pretty funky even on the NES. One example is the title theme from Treasure Master. Let's take a listen. funky actually reminds me a lot of that second uh, interstate 76 track we played revenge rocco style yeah Some similar riffs to this this is just so incredible for the nes oh my god tim fallen god tim has such a distinctive style just melodically there there are certain pitches he, he tends to want to go to and then couple that with his incredible ability for programming this music on his the insane NES or, vibrato. Yeah, any any hardware that he uses, he just makes it sound light years ahead of what everyone else is doing. Yeah, it's it's actually hard to listen to Tim Fallon music and not use a lot of expletives. So maybe we should kind of stop while we're ahead. 
just good so expletives though. Funky. So guys, what we're gonna do, we're gonna play you out with a really funky track from Outrunners. Um, probably the maybe the only track in that game that I would say is str- more kind of straight head funk. This is Last Wave, kind of like a funk remix of the original melody from Outrun. This one was uh, arranged and composed by Takayuki Nakamura, and this is for the Genesis here. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us for this. Definitely the funkiest episode we've done. I had a blast putting this together, and, and just you know, I think both Will and myself just had a such a ball this this you know this past hour. Thanks, Andrew, for your continued support and for this great idea. And thanks to all of our lovely patrons. If anyone's interested in supporting the show to help offset the cost that it takes, you know, for our website hosting and the equipment and also, you know, the the incredible amount of time that we that we all put into this podcast, that would be greatly appreciated. And this is one of the reward tiers that you guys can get is you get to suggest episode topics that we record. So we have some more coming up this season. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for the rest of the season and I'm excited to get back into recording episodes for this podcast. Uh, yes. This is, today was so much fun. I can't wait to talk to you all next time. I hope you stick around for our playout track from Outrunners and fitting enough, I have to get running. So I think we got to wrap <laughs> this up. Thanks so much, everybody. You can follow us on Twitter at Marcato Bros. You can find every episode of this show at our website, supermarcatobros.com. And remember, that's Marcato spelled with an A, not with an E. M-A-R-C-A-T-O, <laughs> supermarcatobros.com. And you can also find all of our original music there as well. Awesome. Next week, we have an episode topic on Knights of Azure, which is another Patreon-suggested topic. That's going to be a spotlight on a game that's by the same sound team from that Adelier series that we focused on this summer. So that's going to be some more wonderful music next week. All right, guys. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everyone. Peace out. Peace out.